Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max. Right there, I've got Drake. And if today is anything like yesterday, a lot of y'all are watching on YouTube and a lot of y'all are listening on your airwaves. And for that, I am incredibly grateful. We had a huge YouTube day yesterday. Guys, if you're not on the train, go to YouTube. You get to see the beautiful face behind this beautiful voice. I'm talking about Drake, of course, but you'll also have to look at me. You can hit that subscribe button either on your podcast app. I believe it's called following now on the podcast app, actually. But YouTube's neat. You can interact with us live. You can throw it at us as the bullets are flying. Tell me down below, how are you feeling two days later after the Miami game? Because this episode, that's all we're going to talk about. We'll look ahead a little bit, but it's it's the win so nice, we got to talk about it twice. Drake, roll that video, and then let's talk FSU beating Miami 31-28. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, after some brief technical difficulties and a sick intro video, we are back. Folks, don't take things for granted. I know you may be looking and saying, hey, what's Max doing? He's just in his bedroom. Who is this guy? Well, if you don't know me, I'm a rabid Florida State fan, as is Drake, that likes to dabble in the analysis a little bit, give you the fan perspective, and try to leave you or have you leave this episode feeling just a little bit smarter about the Florida State football team every single day. We also cover basketball. Had a great episode on that on Sunday. But we are professionals to some degree, and we take our setups for granted. I'm currently in a bedroom because I don't close on my new house until two weeks from now. So I'm in the bedroom at the parents' place, and boy, I'll tell you, Driz, you, you think, hey, I'll just bring all the same stuff, and it'll be the same experience. And as Manny Diaz found out on Saturday, that's not always how it goes. Sometimes the same stuff in a different environment completely lets you down. But you didn't get a chance to talk yesterday, so hit me with it, man. You've had two days, no, three days now, two as we're recording, to ruminate, to to bask in the glory. How are you feeling about the win? And I know you're feeling great, but give me something a little critical too. Like like what 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 learnings have you have you gained in the past few days? So for those of you that are new to this, I live currently in the South Florida area. So the reason I wasn't on yesterday's episode was because I have been pillaging the region around here for the past two days. Uh, primarily excited about the win. Uh, to me, Max, what I saw at the team on Saturday was a lot of good. Still some of the conservative tendencies that we saw that we were worried about, you know, after certain games like with some of the play calling. But overall, I think we saw a team that, I mean, I did say a few weeks ago that I was not a big fan of, you know, hey, they quit. Like, I'm like, I'm fine with that excuse for this season, this season only. But the closer we get to the end of the year, the less that, you know, kind of, you know, makes not make sense to me, but we can use that as an excuse or as like a barometer. I think it's a little bit different with this game particularly because this is the first time I think we've seen this team actually come back after having a lead, losing it, and then not only taking it back, but milking the clock down and keeping out everything in front of them against a very, albeit I'll say it, a very damn good QB in Tyler Van Dyke. So overall, I thought it was a very complete game that we haven't probably discussed about since the last Miami win. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, great points. And folks, again, today, all the stuff we didn't say yesterday, we were a little more structured. We like to be pretty structured in our post-game talk, but there's so much to go over here that 
I don't want to lose good content in the structure. So ride with us for 20, 30 minutes. We're going to try to get to everything. Trick, let's just start from where my brain went from what you just said. A um, couple things that looking back stood out to me. One, uh, the refs called a lot of penalties on Miami and deservedly so. However, I tweeted out a link and that fourth down Jordan Travis had to convert Never should have been a fourth down. That was one of the most egregious hits I've ever seen not flagged for targeting in my life. It was third and like seven. Jordan Travis runs, gets tackled right before his body is fully on the ground. A Miami defender not only hits him in the head, the defender uses the crown of his own helmet to hit Jordan Travis. That is literally both definitions of targeting. Forcible contact to the head or neck area on a defenseless ball carrier. And number two is using the crown of the helmet in any part of the body, as a weapon. He did both. There's an umpire right there, doesn't call it. Somehow the replay doesn't flag it. Now that's taking me to another thing. Our, I don't know if I need to email Michael Alford or go talk to him. I actually saw him at 51 on Madison. He was in a great mood after the win. Who wouldn't be? But our replay folks in the booth have got to get better at getting stuff on the Jumbotron. I'm dead serious. It should be someone's job. I'm talking a $100,000 a year job. It is worth this to me to have someone in there doing what our coaching staff, I think, can do in the booth, but sitting with the Dope Campbell Jumbotron folks, watching replays and going, hey, throw that on the big screen, because that way Norvell and the analysts and whoever's on the sidelines all can see it and start, you know, raising some hell. And um, that they need that, to be better about doing that because other stadiums do it. Clemson is a. Clemson is a great example. They, they've they got strobe lights blaring at quarterbacks. In the minute there's something reviewable, Clemson gets that thing on the Jumbotron. So we need to get better about that as a program. I mean, we yeah, I mean, that also, that kind of also goes to, Doak has horrible camera angles, not only just for replays and for Jumbotron, just for, for even the game itself. Like, we're not able to see the wide receivers, like, even maybe two yards off the line of scrimmage. So we don't know, like, at home, I can't see whether or not right. our wideouts are failing as they used to and getting separation or actually being able to cut in, you know, run their routes. I mean, that's a thing that we've known for a very, very long time. Cause you're right. The replay officials, like to me, that's, that also points to the issue with the Notre Dame game where Norvell called his timeout extremely late. And then, you know, I saw yeah. people saying how he iced Fitzgerald, even though I'm in the little open camp with that. I thought he should have called it a little bit earlier if he heard that come from down there, but that's something that Doak just needs to like upgrade all, all across. I mean, we we've been complaining about what no Wi-Fi in the majority of the stadium for what how many I will years say now? The phone so. service is much better now. I've been to three home games this year. Phone service. Well, is much where are you better. sitting though? Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, not, it depends not on a, not it depends sense. on where you're sitting. It depends on where yeah, you're sitting, my guy. That, well, that's like anything <laughs> in life. But yeah, look, that's we're not here to talk about me and and my great my great season tickets. We're here to talk about seeing it in person. So. Um, I wanted to pull on that thread because I think we owe it to our viewers and our audience and our listeners to be a little more critical about this. Now, folks, I and we're going to get to this. This was maybe one of the biggest wins for the program in a decade. I mean, probably since. I, I mean, not counting like national championships, obviously, but really since that Clemson win in 2012, I can't think of a more necessary yet wholly satisfying win of like, okay, now I think that this head coach has us headed in the right direction, but there are things to be critical about. And I want to touch on those. So Drake, I, I think, and this goes into that targeting call. I didn't, I was on the other end of the field in that fumble that Miami recovered. 
I thought we should have called a timeout because it looked like he was down from what I saw. But again, nothing on the jumbotron. What could I I have binoculars, but it still was hard to see. Mm -hmm. I I think Mike gets so caught up in the moment that he doesn't think, okay, what can I do right now to to extend this moment? And I don't know. That was a really poor way to say that. I apologize, folks. What I'm getting at is he he's so just okay. On to the next. Well, fine. A bad thing happened. We've got a plan for it. It's like well. Sometimes you might be able to undo the bad thing if you would take a second and think, you know, he's he's like the person who, you know, in, in the NBA classes nails every assignment, but but wonders why they're getting 85s because they never take that next step of like, but what's the art of the possible? You're, you're nailing the art of what happened and analyzing it, but you're not giving me that next, well, can I challenge that? Can we undo it? And I think that will be his next development as a coach is not just reacting to what's in front of him, but thinking, okay, should that have been how that went? I, I mean, he nailed it with the three second thing. He's yelling at the refs about that. So maybe he just didn't think, maybe he thought that was a fumble. Maybe he just didn't notice that that should have been reviewed for targeting, but you would not have been able to keep me off the field after that hit. I would have been in, especially because it caused a fourth down. I would have been in the ref's ear until they reviewed that for targeting. But anyway. yeah, in his defense for one, he didn't. He was nowhere near the ground when he fumbled the ball. So like that was a clear fumble as they like on TV showing the replay. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. Totally. But two, that's and that goes. What you just said it goes to one of my biggest complaints about Norvell. We hear so many times about how he has a plan. He has a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. The pro- my problem with him primarily is that when his plan A goes slightly veers off the beaten path and even it trounces a plan B or plan C, he's not able to adapt and change to that. Cause he's going out of his comfort zone. And to me, that's something we see with a little bit of recruiting. We see with the Topo incident now, because if you watch the press conference, you can tell he's a little shaken by that situation. And also, it took him a year and a half to finally somewhat adjust to having Jordan Travis as his quarterback. And even though, in my personal opinion, that's more that Kane Dillingham's doing than Mike Novell himself. So to me, it's just something that he he needs to grow better at, like, and be, be, it needs to be like water. He needs to adapt to situations a lot better with his plans. Because just because your plan, the plan's not always going to work. You're at the Power Five level now. This isn't Memphis. You're not a coordinator at Arizona State. You're not at, what's the word, Toledo or Kent State with Gus Malzondra, head coach. You know, you it's all of it is on your shoulders to build this program back to where we want to be. And that's something that your plans are not always going to work, my guy. You need to have something in the well and adapt to it. So, folks, I want to get into a couple more threads. One, I want to talk about the play calling, and then I want to talk about how this makes us feel about the season going forward and what it means for the program in general. And before I do that, I want y'all to close your eyes and I want you to picture that you're sitting there, you're putting to win the tournament. For some of you, that may be a one-footer. Someone like myself, maybe it's a nine-footer. A putt you're confident you're going to make. You know what I'm saying? You sink it, club championship's yours, your dad's finally proud of you. But backswing comes out, hat falls over your eyes. What happens? You miss the putt, right? Simple, easy. Guys, is that how you run your business? Because poor visibility is going to ruin every business venture you have. You need to know what's going on within your business and be able to see the full picture. And that's why you need NetSuites by Oracle. Trust me, I'm a business consultant that actually in my real job, uh, we sell a lot of Oracle products because Oracle's the best. It's the NetSuite's the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Guys, it'll take you out of that whole spreadsheet um, Oh, look, this really cool template that I built. I'm sure those are great, 
But if you want to get your business to the next level, you got to take your data, your analytics, and your financials to the next level. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite's offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to get those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash NCAA. That's netsuite.com slash NCAA to get their special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing a business. Folks, there's enough data out there now that we kind of know how players are going to perform in the games. So take that over to Prize Picks. I've, I've told you before, I'll tell you again. Prize Picks is a new spin on Daily Fantasy. You draft a team of players, three to five players, and each one will have a pre-assigned over, under, in one statistical category. So for example, if if Jordan Travis is one of your quarterbacks, you can have as many in position. The position doesn't matter. But if he's on your roster, his over, under for rushing yards might be 48. Well, you might say, okay, I think he's going to go over 48. Last weekend, he had 67. So that would have hit. So that would have been a win. And if three out of your five players go the way you predict they will, you win money. If four out of five do it, you win a little more money. And if five out of five do it, well, you make a heck of a return on your entry. So go to Prize Picks in the App Store, the Google Play Store, or prizepicks.com, and they'll walk you through it. And when you use promo code LOCKED ON, you'll get a 100% match on your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So you put 100 bucks in, they'll match you 100 bucks. It's free money, it's free winnings. Prize picks, do it. Yeah, so I want to talk about the play calling a bit because this seems to be the most contentious thing around the fan base right now. And before I do that, I want to remind everyone Florida State beat Miami 31 28, snapping a four year losing streak and making it that now we've won what? Seven of the last, six of the last 10, eight of the last 13, or eight of the last 12. Yep. We're, we're doing all right against the Canes right now, folks. And I also want to point out that while I thought it was a hell of a finish, what a play by Jordan Travis and Andrew Parchment. Great connection there. I mean, honestly, the luckiest thing ever that um, Parchment didn't get in the end zone, which that was the other thing I want to mention in the last segment. I don't love I, – I wish he'd burn more time on those, those failed QB sneaks. I mean, I really – you had two timeouts. You could have picked exactly when you were snapping the ball. Really don't like that he just kind of, you know, well, we're doing a QB sneak. And, again, I think that's the Texan of the, oh, I'm not going to do it that way. Just run the play. And I also – last thing, and then we will get to the play calling because this is play calling. Why on earth? I mean, you, you play in everything. You practice all this weird – I have two issues with play calling. One, put two damn guys back there on the punt. How many punts are blocked a year in college football? 20? By the entire NCAA? Maybe maybe 30? You're not going to block them. Just put an extra guy back there and put one guy on each side of the field so maybe one of them will catch the damn ball. I mean, look, I'm glad Ontario Wilson has the ability of foresight and somehow knew that ball was going to bounce 16 freaking yards into a touchback with five Miami players around him. Good thing he knew that. But if he'd been wrong by, I don't know, a yard, we probably don't score that last touchdown. So we need to figure that out too in the play calling goal line situation. I love the Jordan Travis sneak call. If you guys aren't familiar, if you've never had to run that play, it was an old school peewee football sneak where what you do, put your hands under the center. And as a quarterback, you look left, you look right, you look back to the center, 
and you just decide where you want to go. You take your hand, don't want to block my microphone, and you give your you give your center one of these. You give them a left, or you, or you give them a right, or you give them a left. And whichever thigh you tap, that's where you two are going, and that's the play. Everyone else is doing a straightforward block. Your center picks which way he's going. You go behind the big man. What I don't understand in that play call, why the hell is Jermaine Johnson not in the backfield or like, you know, one of the other big boys like a a, 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 a Malcolm Ray or a Fabian Lovett pushing Jordan Travis? Why is Kentron Portier, who's like 190 pounds soaking wet back there, like, here, let me try to get you past these six defensive linemen. Like, dude, I'm just saying, for a guy that's super creative, I would love to see two D linemen back there just picking Travis up and putting him in the end zone. I, 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 I get what you're saying because they actually did run a lot of, you know, offensive linemen getting that sort of that, that big, you know, that what's it called, the heavy set right there. Yeah, yeah. And Dante Lucas actually there's a lot of clip tape of him actually being the guy for I know, that. I've seen it on Twitter. No, no, I love I, Jordan Travis right no, now. No, 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 I get behind him. No, I know I get what you know, I get what you're saying. I just Sorry. think that's more of a uh I think that's more of a depth issue. And also like they played a lot of snaps and they also were extremely gassed. And I think also Maybe that he knew he wasn't going to get it on the first try, so that did burn off. I mean, it did burn off like a minute. So, I mean, I dislike a lot of stuff, but that um, like I get. I, I pick up. I pick up what's thrown down. I'm just but, saying, the worst yeah. possible person to be pushing Jordan Travis was in the backfield. But let's move on to our play calling because I want to talk about the good because uh, we talked about a lot of the bad, and I don't want people to think we're sitting here being pessimistic after beating Miami. I mean, Jakai Douglas, dude. I. Hey, man, if you're only going to make two meaningful catches in a year, he picked two really, really good times to make his two meaningful catches. Once against Notre Dame, and then that one out of the backfield this time. Same play, Um, too. (laughs) Same play. Fantastic call there. Um, I want to take issue a bit, because I actually was one of the ones who said this, but on rewatch, I think y'all, myself included in the moment, were too quick to forget how explosive this running game is. We have a very explosive running game. Mm-hmm. Jayshon Corbin's one touchdown was a 15-yarder. Um, I think Trayshawn Ward's long on the night was 22 yards. Jordan Travis's long on the night was, I think, 16 or 17 yards where he bounced off a tackle. So with that in mind, just because you're running on third down doesn't make it a give-up play. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a fair way to characterize it with the staff of, oh, well, it was third and six, and they tried to run, so they were giving up. Well, guys, this team hits runs longer than six yards all the damn time. And you got to think on a on a down where you're not expected to run as often, they're even more likely to hit a bigger run. So I don't love that call at the end of the first half, but I don't hate it as much as I did in the moment. See, that's actually not my issue with it. I'm actually fine with, you know, sticking a lot more with the run because we I understand that our best players are literally the three the three horsemen right there with Travis, with Corbin and with Warren and with Williams who had a few carries too. My issue was with in the specifically the third quarter where it seemed that we were trying to salt away the game a lot more than we should have. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's two specific series where we run two straight QB draws, especially when they were loading up the box. And that was the one and we we came into the game this, you know, today. I mean that game on Saturday. Leonard Taylor, Nessa Silvera were there are their starting defense tackles for Miami. And up until the game, they weren't playing actually particularly well. So I understood why, I guess, going into it, you want to do that a lot more. But for some reason, they were actually doing very well actually up the middle. And like they were bullying Maurice Smith and DLT. And that's the majority of the side that we ran towards. So to me, that goes to more. I think was like, maybe try, go to the outside a little bit better. And yeah. to me, like, that was more of an issue with well. that. 
And that was actually the next thing I was going to bring up. What I loved in the play call. I, I love the outside pitch run. Yeah. Um, you know, Gibbons is hurt. And I think what they were doing a lot with that was if we've talked about this before, how our run game relies heavily on putting Gibbons on the left and running to the right. Mm-hmm. So those little pitches to the left, we're kind of letting him have the same effect, but he didn't need to be as fast getting outside. Yeah. And I, uh, I was with those. that sweep run by Travis on fourth down, dear goodness, never scare me like that again. As much as I'm complaining about the refs against us, they gave us a lot too. Let's put it this way. There has to be indisputable video evidence, which makes a ball placement challenge hard. But if that gets called short, I am not confident that we end up getting that first down. But again, that was probably a makeup for the egregious mistargeting call. So, uh, Drake, before we move on and we talk about the rest of the season, what this means, how we're feeling after beating up on the University of Coral Gables, I got to give the folks the betonline.ag line of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, it is November. That means if you are a degenerate gambler, which, hey, no judgment here. You can be who you are. This is a safe space. There is football every single night of the week. That means there's maction. That means there's fun belt. And tonight, for the betonline.ag line of the day, we're going to take a little trip over to Maction Land. That is the Mid-Atlantic Conference, basically the Big Ten's younger brother. And if you don't know, they play football in November on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I got a couple Wednesday games for you, Drizzy. We got a couple home underdogs, which is always a dangerous proposition. And I'm looking at Eastern Michigan, a five-and-a-half-point dog at home against their arch rivals from Kalamazoo, Western Michigan. For the betonline.ag line of the day, who are you going with? Eastern at home at plus five and a half, or do you think Western Michigan's going to treat them like Pittsburgh and get her done? Nice. Uh, give me my Eastern Michigan, actually, plus five and a half. Ooh. I think they're the better team. Western Michigan has burned me several times this year, so you're actually asking for the one game I'm probably not touching this week at all. So, because like, fool me one, shame on you. Me twice. 70 of them. This is the one he's not going to touch, folks. So that this, yeah, yeah, that should tell you something. So don't touch this, folks. But if I had to, gun to my head, as Max has me on a gunpoint over the Zoom call or the restream as we do that now, give me Eastern Michigan plus five and a half. Dope. All right, man. You guys heard it. BetOnline.ag. Make your account and use promo code Locked On to get a 50% match of your first deposit up to $200. So put in $200, get $100 of free money. Win it all back this weekend. Turn that three into six. Turn that six into 12 and keep it rolling all season, baby. BetOnline.ag. So, yeah, um, look, guys, we've gotten the pessimism out of the way. Not pessimism. Look, our job as content creators, as analysts, we're not analysts. That's that's a strong word. But content creators, people who are supposed to look at this through a lens that maybe the casual fan doesn't want to spend their time doing or whatever, or you guys just like to hear us do it instead— we owe it to you to to look at things that way. So don't think we're being critical. Don't think we're being, you know, Debbie Downers about a massive win. But again, that's what we're here for. We got to look at it through the lens of where could we have improved? What did we see in the game? Had we lost, what would we be saying? And I think we just gave you all that. So now I want to look forward and say, okay, how do we feel about this team now? Because I'll be honest, Drake, when we got down 28 to 20, I had a moment of like, well, Maybe this is it. Maybe this is just like we beat UNC 
And here's another year where we let one win get us excited, ignored the downside or the 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 bad sides of things, and we're gonna win three games. And this team proved me wrong. Uh, I will say, the Jacksonville State game is is haunting at this point. I mean, yep, egregiously uh, haunting. Completely missed me with this. By the way, if y'all want to say, why are we gonna be excited about a bowl game? Because I want to be excited about going to a bowl game because we haven't done it in years so that would be pretty freaking cool i'd like to do that i would and to know that you know if we beat jacksonville state we only have to win one of the next two it's like it's frustrating now we're still not out of it we're not and i want to know how you feel about it what do you think i mean what like how give me the straight talk pretend there's no audience here just just talk to me as your boy since we were 20 years old what what are you thinking about our chances of making a bowl game at this point? I mean, honest opinions. I give it 35%, primarily because Boston College actually just got a huge shot in the arm with Phil Dracovic back. Uh, to me, Big Phil, as they call him over there, is probably one, if he was fully healthy, he quite honestly could challenge Kenny Pickett for the best quarterback in, in the conference. He also is definitely going to be a draftable QB, not this next year because he was injured, but you just see the different dynamic he brings, you know, with Boston College, with that offense when he's actually there because they had a walk-on QB and Dan Scrosso starting for the majority of the year after game two. And Boston College, I think, has seven wins now at this point, and they play close competitive games with basically, basically, if I put you out there, quarterback, not, no offense to you, my guy, but, like, that's a team that is really well-coached. Their defense, which is supposed to be a weakness for entering the year, is very dynamic, doesn't give up much, and is extremely well-disciplined. And this is basically a team that, is what we expected Mike Norvell to be in year two. And that's what really scares me. And I, cause I actually have Florida as a win. Cause I think right now what's going on in Gainesville is nothing short of a horror show. Like if you think that we have it bad, take a look over there. I can give you, if you want to DM me, ask me some questions. Trust me. I know it's a lot of stuff going on back there, but to me, Boston college is definitely going to be there. They're going to be the bane of our existence. And it's kind of scary to actually have to go up there and play them instead of the other way around. Yeah, I agree. It is not going to be easy to to play in Chestnut Hill. And and look, we said this at the beginning of the season, and y'all are all feeling it now, except maybe our listeners down in South South Florida. There's a cold front all across the country. It is going to be a really, really unfun night to play football in Boston College. The fact that it's a noon game helps a little bit, because if y'all have never been to Boston, which I don't know, you're not missing a ton, I guess, but... You know, it's a cool say to spend some time. You you should go at least once. You don't have to live there, but go. It gets it's way out. I mean, you, you picture the geography, right? America goes like this. But America only has Eastern time. We don't get into that next time zone. So it's about as close to being on the next time zone, right? Like the Newfoundland time zone, as you can get in America. Not to mention it's about as far north as you can you can get while still being in New England before you get into the Vermont wilderness. The point of all that is the sun goes down extremely early. In fact, I'm going to look right now because we have the internet. Let's see, sunset, Boston. Yeah, so today, oh my gosh, this is going to make the Florida people shudder if you've never lived up north. Sunset today in Boston was at 421 p.m. Guys, that's, that's not right. when it starts. That's like the sun is down at 430 p.m. So you're going to see a noon game finish in the dark, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be a tough environment to play in. Uh, Bill Dracovich coming back is not good. But the computers have this rocks, rock solid uh, deadlocked, right? They've got Boston College at 56th. They have us at 54th in FPI. 
Our projected win total is 4.7. Theirs is 7.0, which means they project each of us to win about one more of our next two games. I do want to point out our bowl chances now, according to FPI, is 9.9%. A week ago, it was 3%. So that's a 300% increase in our bowl eligibility chances. But we have to get past Boston College first. And Drake, I got to tell you, we'll t- we'll talk about Florida more later. We're kind of running short on time today, so maybe that's a, a topic for tomorrow, the absolute disaster going on down in Hogtown. But I can't think of anything more exciting than bowl eligibility on the line us against Florida because last time that happened 2018 we got embarrassed by Florida at home and I don't think this team has that DNA I don't think this team has that personality and I frankly don't think this coaching staff lets that happen if we go into Gainesville with five wins and we see a kind of careening towards the cliff Florida team I think that's a hell of a prospect and I'd love to see it but we can't overlook them I mean this is you cover Boston College over on Locked on ACC this is a tough team, and it's going to be a really, really hard game to win. That being said, what would you say, how, how, how many times X, like 5X, 10X, more confident are you feeling in this game after seeing what we just saw this past weekend? Because I'm at like an 8X after seeing mm-hmm. us A, win, but B, do it behind Jordan Travis's arm and having to come back the way we did. Um, Maybe 2X. Only Primarily, two X. There's, only, yeah. there's only two X. Your expectations. This awesome game we just played. Only. Oh yeah, only no, no, no. It. You also got to understand. I didn't think Miami was very good coming into the game. If we're being right. completely honest, I mean, and we saw the defense really much improve. It's just more the fact of the matter is that we're playing away for one. We're playing at Boston College. It's very, very cold. And this team, if this team didn't have Phil Dracovic, I would be at ten X right now. Like that to me is how much of a dynamic changer is that quarterback. So, yeah, I'm a little more of a 2X than the 8X that you have right now, my guy, primarily because I, I know we're all hyped from this game. I also don't want to be a prisoner of the moment either. True. I know what this team is like when they actually play good teams. I don't think Miami, in particular, was a good defensive team. I think that they have a good quarterback who I was worried about, hey, don't get don't leave him off the field. Don't let him get hot. Don't let him be consistently out there. And we let that happen. They scored 28 on un- unanswered points. So to me, that's something we need to really be worried about with Phil Dracovic, who I know he has a hand injury. He's a lot better of a quarterback. It's a lot more sound of a team. And it's a way. It's going to be cold. I was up there in Baltimore for a little bit. You know us South Florida boys, we do not like the cold. Jamie Robinson, Akeem Dent, Jarvis Brownlee, they're not going to be having a good time and wrapping up. But to me, I think 2X is a good spot, but I think we'll be good heading up there. So we'll see. So I want, I want to point out two things and I, I totally understand why you're feeling the way you do, but Miami is 27th in FPI. And I, guys, I'm not a, a slave to FPIs like, you know, oh, they're the all knowing being blah, 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 whatever. Um, but I do think, you know, computers use a lot of information and it's worth taking a look. And, you know, when they're, when, when Miami's sitting at 27th and, um, Boston college is sitting at 54th, well, you know, it's, it, those numbers, numbers number one. It means lie. if we beat one, we can beat the other. Is what I'm getting at, I guess. Are you um, using the transitive property, my guy? No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying if. I'm not saying it means we're <laughs> definitely going to, right? Uh, I, I mean, look, the reality is we're ranked like 52nd, and Miami's 28th, and we just beat them. So you know, take that for what you will. But Boston College, I think, is one of those teams that um, I don't know. I it doesn't matter. That's a whole different rant. I think they always get more credit than they deserve, frankly. I mean, Phil Dracovich has only thrown 61 balls this year, right? Uh, he just had a pretty solid game against Georgia Tech. 
13 for 20 or uh, 13 of 20 for 310 yards, but you're not averaging 15.5 yards a throw against Florida State. Our secondary is not great, but they're not that bad. Uh, against Virginia Tech right before that, uh, barely 50%, um, zero touchdowns, one interception. So, you know, and, and by the way, he's only played two Power 5 opponents. His other games are Massachusetts and Colgate. Uh, I think he was a popular name. I think he, he was a great quarterback, but it's going to be cold, like we said, and nothing is worse for an injury than cold. So we're going to have That's to see how point. he plays. Um, you know, that hand takes one good hit from from our boy Jermaine Johnson, 11. Uh, I don't know. But we can do that later in our Boston College preview. I, I assume there's so many great Boston College folks that we've we've developed a good relationship with over at Locked on ACC. We've got a few friends with BC. We don't know who it'll be yet, but we will definitely bring you a Know Your Foe this week. And I hope that we've, well, we haven't put the Miami game to bed because we get 364 days of trash talk against Miami fans. But I hope you enjoyed this, uh, putting it down for a nap, I suppose. I'm Max, that was Drake, and this was Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody, and I'll see you at Cash for Gold, Blake James. We need some money right now. Cash for Gold. Yeah, take the turnover, Chase. I'll give you five bucks and a firm handshake.